Teigen. I'm the children's coordinator here at FEC. I want to wish you guys a happy 4th of July weekend, first of all. Um, we are super grateful that we can just gather this church um, with freedom and safety um, and just be here and worship with you guys. Um, so FBC is a community helping everyone discover faith in Jesus, grow in love for God and for others, and live as ambassadors of hope by the power of the Spirit. To connect with us, just scan that QR code on the chair back seat. Um, chair seat back <laughs> and just uh yeah you can connect with us that way a couple announcements for lighthouse so all you lighthousers out there we will continue to have wednesday lunches somewhere downtown each wednesday we'll gather for lunch um, we also have a devotional that's available online if you guys want to go through that in july um, it's kind of just about taking time to focus on god and then also just importantly just to ton of July events going on. I, you can see here, um, feel free to join. It's going to be a party. It's been super fun so far. Um, and then, I'm kind of biased maybe, but most importantly, um, we're going to talk about kids camp because that happened this week and it was honestly phenomenal. Um, I am so grateful for Alicia, Alicia, <laughs> Elisa and Trisha um, for setting that all up. Yeah, awesome. And all of our counselors, our volunteers, people who prayed, it went so well. There was some last minute cancellations of volunteers due to COVID, but everything was provided for. People uh, stepped in um, and God really provided for us. Um, one of the great things was just to see all the kids interacting with each other, interacting well with their counselors, um, with their, or their leaders. Um, it was great to see them running around on the grass, seeing them enjoy lesson, singing, dancing, just all the big smiles and laughter. It was fantastic. Um, and so um, we just want to say thank you, hoping you could see these pictures and hoping you could give you a little taste of it. Um, but it was a wonderful time. Um, so Lord, we thank you so much for these kids. Continue to let them grow in you and know um, who you are and how you've made them. And we just thank you when we bless them and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's welcome up Callum Lee to read our scripture this morning. Callum. A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son. Psalm 3, 1 through 8. O Lord, how many are my foes, many rising against me, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O oh my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. 
You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Callum. Appreciate it. We are in the Psalms this summer, and we're calling our series Prayers from the Heart. Because we believe that the Psalms are a a guide, they're a channel for us to express our emotions to God. Um, This morning we have a guest preacher, Um, so I'd like to invite up David Ding. Let's let David Ding know he's among friends. David, so glad you're here, man. David is the, a pastor at UCC just across town. He's the college and young adults pastor. He's been there for three years. And uh, David and I share something in common, and that is that we don't have a taste for coffee. And I appreciate that. It's just kind of a brotherly bond between us. Um, let me tell you two more mostly unimportant facts about David. One is that he does golf quite a bit, and it's quite good at it. And that he also cooks. So he makes up for his lack of coffee drinking with uh, a proficiency in cooking. Um, but more importantly, um, we've invited David here because of his love for God and his love for the scripture. Um, David's a pastor who has a deep heart for what God does through in our lives, through the scriptures, uh, to bless our world. Uh, so David, I'm grateful that you've uh, come over here, come across town to share with us the word. And let me pray for you. And then you can take it away. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this psalm, Psalm 3. Thank you for what you have done in David's heart as he sat with it. um, For the the insight and the wisdom and the love that he has for you and that he's sharing with us, God. So we ask you to help us to live into the reality that this psalm speaks of like never before. In your name we pray. Amen. David. Well, that was very generous. Um, Good morning, FBC. As it was said, my name is David Ding, um, and I'm the pastor of college and young adults. So if you don't know what that means and what my job looks like, uh, just take Peter Nittler and add a little bit of Gozium and then make a budget version, and that's kind of who I am over there at University Covenant Church. And if you don't know where University Covenant Church, it's that church uh, that's right by Target as you uh, fight traffic on Mace. Um, I'm super grateful to have been invited here this morning, and I would love the opportunity to meet you guys, so please don't hesitate to introduce yourselves uh, to me later, or if you find me in the wild like Safeway or Costco. Um, It is my understanding that we're in the book of Psalms. Um, So talk about a treasure trove of human experience intersected by God's goodness, captured in the beauty of poetry and song. Now, for thousands of years, people have been uh, convicted, comforted, and confounded by the Psalms. And as a pastor and a good Christian, I probably should love the Psalms. But if I were to be honest and to shed a little bit of my shame, the Psalms are hard for me. I don't like being confronted with my human experience. My emotions are hard to think through, and they're even harder to feel through because they're complex, muddled, and oftentimes uncomfortable. If I were to guess, I'm probably not the only one who feels this way. Now, today we're going to be in Psalm 3. 
which is going to get a little complex, a little muddled, and yes, even a little bit uncomfortable. This was a psalm, as some of your Bibles mention, written at a time when David was running away from Absalom, his son. Now, you can find the context of this psalm in 2 Samuel chapter 15, and I encourage you this week in your times with God to go and read what happened for the full context and to fully grasp um, just how heavy-hearted this was. But I'm going to give kind of a gross oversimplification. This was a dark, dark, dark time in David's life. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, Nathan rebukes David of his transgressions against God, Uriah, Bathsheba, the nation of Israel. And as a result, we begin to see the fracturing of his household and the ripple effects of his actions. Infant mortality, incest, sexual assault, murder, deceit, corruption, insurrection, and betrayal. All within his family. And it is against that backdrop that David, in anguish, writes, O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cry aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings be on your people. Now, I want us this morning to really feel the sting of the first two verses. This experience for David felt like many people were turning against him. In fact, they were even saying there is no salvation for him in God. In other words, God has abandoned David. It wasn't too long ago that David was experiencing hearing the songs of praise from the people of Israel. Saul killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And now the people are saying there is no salvation for him in God. Even his son. Looking at his father. There is no salvation for him in God. As we think about this, I'm sure some of us have had moments where things have seemed very dire. And we even might have the thought that there is no salvation in God. Sometimes the situation seems so bad that it seems like nothing good can come out of it. We feel shame, we feel condemned, and we feel alone. Perhaps we've even had moments where the loudest voice shouting this at us is ourselves. Where we look at our own lives and we think there is no 
salvation in God for me. We think back to the glory days, the days where God felt so near. And we look at the reality of our current situation and we think there is no salvation. But because we feel the shame, because we feel condemned, because we feel alone, we don't reach out, we don't voice this hurt, we just keep chugging along as if everything's okay. We sometimes, think, we sometimes feel and think that we had it, but now we've lost it, and we tuck our tails between our legs and we live out our life in death. In 1995, my dad, mom, sister, and I moved from San Jose, Costa Rica to Irvine, California. It was the beginning of our American dream, life in the cozy suburbs of the nation's safest city. And as part of the celebration of coming to the United States, my parents decided to take our family to the happiest place on earth, which was thankfully located only 15 minutes away, Disneyland. As we pulled up into the parking lot, we began to see some of our favorite characters in Mickey Mouse, Goofy, Donald Duck, and my sister Angelica and I were filled with excitement for the potential of what that day could become. Halfway through the day of eating churros, riding Matterhorn, and taking pictures of some of our favorite Disney pals, my sister Angelica began having some very serious headaches. We eventually left early, and her headaches did not subside. In fact, they intensified. As she went from doctor to doctor, they could not decide what was wrong until eventually an eye specialist saw an abnormal growth and told our parents to take her to the emergency room. While there, they did a CT scan and discovered a tumor in her brain. This tumor eventually became cancerous, and she eventually died four years later. While there is much I could share about this experience and how God walked me through it, what I want to focus on today is actually my dad. Through this extremely traumatic circumstance, my dad froze. He was in a new country, trying to make a bright new future for his family, and now he was confronted with the complexities of the American healthcare system in a language he couldn't grasp with his precious daughter suffering through harsh, the harsh side effects of aggressive cancer treatments. In his helplessness, he froze. I'd remember going home from school, watching my dad just watch television, going to bed, seeing the same thing, as if he were just a statue. Meanwhile, my mom was constantly going back and forth between the hospital, having to take on the burden all by herself. And so I resented my father. In fact, my father even became abusive to my mother. And so I would feel, if you're not going to help, why do you cause hurt? After my sister died, my parents got a divorce, and I completely disconnected from my dad in that resentment. I believed that there was no 
salvation for him in God. But then something happened as I got older. As I got older and the challenges of life began to come, I realized that like my father, I freeze too. And I hated that about myself. And I began thinking, there's no salvation for us in God. Thankfully, the story's not over. That was just the first two verses of the psalm. But I don't think we can fully grasp the beauty of the rest of the psalm if we don't sit in the first two verses and feel that sting. So we continue. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. God, you are my glory, the lifter of my head. Those times I cried aloud, you answered me from your holy hill. When I struggle to lay down and sleep, I realize I wake again because you have sustained me. So I will not be afraid of the many thousands of problems in my life that feel like completely surround me. Arise, O Lord, and save me, my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek, and you break the teeth of the wicked. And David can write all of these words because of the last two lines. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings be on your people. So while we may find ourselves in dark places in life where we think that all of God's grace and mercy has been exhausted and there is no more salvation, we have to remember that salvation belongs to the Lord, that the goodness of God and the capacity is to not live lives of death but to live the abundantly rich life that God intended is not something that is self-generated, that we do not possess the capacity to take the salvation of God, or to even claim the salvation of God for others or even ourselves, but that the salvation of God is something that belongs to him and something that he gives to us. This is good news. And we know that this is good news because of Jesus. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is proof that salvation has not left humanity, but rather has radically and miraculously made itself freely available to all who receive. 
all of us this morning have the opportunity to have all the voices that murmur in the shadows of our soul that there is no salvation be silenced and replaced. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. To be replaced with, God, you sustain me. That when I cry, you answer. My senior year of college, I graduated from UC Davis, fellow Aggie. Woohoo. Um, at my senior year of college, I had met this freshman who uh, I had the privilege uh, to mentor slash disciple. And he had a fairly rough life uh, filled with a lot of brokenness. And one of the areas of brokenness was uh, he had a broken relationship with his dad. And so through that year, he would tell me that he felt convicted by God to reconcile with his father, and he would ask me, how do you do that? And so I was like, well, as your discipler and mentor, let me tell you. <laughs> so I'd read through scripture about reconciliation and the whole time feeling the weight of hypocrisy. And so by the end of my senior year, I recognized that if God truly were to call me to serve the church, sometimes to go forward, you need to go back. And I needed to reconcile with my dad. But at that point, it had been about 10 years since we had any form of relationship. But as God was working in my life, I decided to call my dad. Um, he owns a small business. And I said, hey, dad, I'm graduating college. I don't really know what I want to do for a career. Could I work for you? And this was a shock to everyone in my orbit. But it felt like that was what God was calling me to do. And so I did which preceded a six-year kind of reconciliation process, plus deep nepotism as I was a terrible employee. <laughs> but slowly but surely, we began to get unstuck. Steps were small process was slow, but God was moving. I'm happy to say that now I love my father, and I know that my father loves me. I believe that there is salvation for him. And I believe that there's salvation for me because we're both living it. Now, I don't know what your story is. I don't know what season in life God has you in. But I want to remind you today as we read through Psalm 3 
that even in the times when the, the voice that is loudest is that there is no salvation, please remember that salvation belongs to the Lord. Cling to that. Hold fast to that. And even today, as we have this wonderful opportunity to celebrate communion together, Remember that all of this was made possible because of Jesus. That that is what we are remembering. So I encourage you today, as you take the elements, to maybe pause and to think of the areas where you think that there is no salvation and to replace it with the fact that salvation belongs to the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, Lord, as we just come before you this morning, we are so thankful for the Psalms, even though sometimes they are difficult to navigate. We thank you that as you've created us, we all share human experiences, yet are so diverse. But above all, we thank you that you love us. That even in the times when we're tempted to think that we are on our own and that we have to somehow manipulate salvation, that salvation doesn't belong to us, it belongs to you, and that is such a good thing. And Lord God, I pray even right now that if there's anyone here who's just going through a season where they feel like things are lost and things are hopeless, that those voices would be replaced by your comforting words. We thank you, and we know you listen to our prayers because of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray.